Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, Liz Loza, and not... Matt Harmon, Andy Barons, Dalton Del Don, or Scott Pianowski. Instead, we decided to go out of the immediate circle and bring in NFL Network's very own Adam Rank. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I thought you were going to say that I was the boomer Matt Harmon, and I was going to take great offense to that, but thank you. I would never do that to you, <laughs> ever. Um, but I feel like everyone should know who you are. And guys, if you don't, go follow Adam on social. Um, on Twitter, he's at Adam Rank, and that's Rank with a K. Uh, on Instagram, he's at Adam Rank NFL. Very, very creative handles there. Good Thank for you. the branding. Um, I love watching you on Instagram. I think you do a lot of interesting stuff. It's a nice combination of fantasy football, NFL news, and of course, stand-up comedy. <laughs> do you want to tell everybody? So here's the thing I love most about Adam and, you know, people in general. I find that the people who have lived the most detoured lives are some of the most interesting. And because of a life that maybe took some unexpected turn, turns, they have an unexpected perspective on things, something that, you know, is a little bit left or right of what maybe is being expected um, or what is the current narrative, if you will. And so I love that you do all of that, Adam, but it's not like a hot take central. It's really <laughs> organic. You're like not trying to build a hashtag brand, which you can sniff from a mile away. You're just like living this cool life. And so your fantasy football insights, I think, have another layer of depth to them that people can really relate to. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm going to have to clip and save that one for later and uh, <laughs> and uh, go back. But no, I appreciate that. Yeah, it is one of those things that you never know what you're going to end up doing or where your life's going to take you or anything like that. And I, when I was a youngster, and I love football, I grew up loving sports, I was into it. I really wanted to play sports. And then like, as you get older, you start realizing like, everybody's excellent. Like everybody's progressing. I'm not... <laughs> Things like that. But I was a huge fan of things like Saturday, Saturday Night Live, stand-up comedy, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. And my parents, not quite hip to that. My dad, you know, is a Navy vet, and nobody in my family had ever graduated, and I had two older sisters who didn't go to college. So my parents were like, you got to go do this, and then you got to go out and do your thing. And then if you want to go do comedy, which we wouldn't advise, you can go <laughs> do it, but go get a degree first. And then the thing is, is you have to pick a major and then you're like, well, what's the easiest to you? Or not easiest, but you're like, what do I, what am I interested in? I got into journalism, then I got an internship with the NFL and then I never left. And that's just one of those things. But yeah, I try to, you know, mix it up. You know, I know that, you know, you can go follow some people who are going to be like just grinding film 24 seven. And then at some point, if you're following me, you're going to have to, in addition to my astute fantasy information, you're going to have to listen to me go on and on about like the movie San Andreas or whatever it is. Cause I do have other, listen, that's a great movie, by the way. One of the, one of the best films of our lifetime, but you know, you get that. You gotta, you gotta kind of mix it up here and there. Let's talk a little bit about shaky ground elsewhere, <laughs> maybe in Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Jones would love to be a, quote, lifelong Packer. You are a lifelong Bears fan, Bears-Packers, oldest rivalry in the NFL. This seems like a seamless transition. <laughs> Should we break the news to him that, um, well, his head coach, Matt LaFleur, has not only drafted A.J. Dillon, who comps similarly to Derrick Henry, 
who I think Matt LaFleur probably believes he, quote, unlocked right. two years ago, right? Right. But also that LaFleur has commitment issues <laughs> when it comes to running backs. And his quarterback, too, if I would say, because Jordan Love was sure. also drafted. And when you see the situation, and I feel bad, like we like to make fun of the Packers because it's one of our, our, our pastimes because we don't beat them on the field. It's all we got. It's all we got. Yeah. <laughs> it's all we get to do. And it's like, should we tell Aaron Jones what is going It's like when you know like a couple and one of them is like, I'm going to marry this person. And the other one is already dating somebody else. Like, should we stop? Should we should we intervene? Like, I, do I <laughs> do I feel bad that I'm going with them to Robbins Brothers to help pick out a ring? Should I let them know? I don't know. I kind of want to see this play out and I want to kind of see Aaron Jones being disappointed is similarly to the way fantasy enthusiasts will be disappointed when he does not score 19 touchdowns this season. It's kind of like last year was Aaron Jones's San Andreas. And so now he's trying to live up to that lofty standard, which he's not going to be able to do because, and Liz, I don't know if this, I know, I know that you're great at, at watching all the college film and I try to keep up with as much as possible Coming into the draft, I didn't watch a lot of, of A.J. Dillon. I just didn't, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. Once the Packers drafted him, I went down and looked at him, and I'm like, this is a great player. And like you said, like this is their Derrick Henry. This yeah. is going to end up being the guy. So I think that anything that you get out of Aaron Jones this season is going to be a bonus. But I think that that, yeah, good luck. Good luck in your future endeavors, I think is what we're going to so do. So what do we say to fantasy fans? So because right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and that's like the I think the the constant ADP um, tool that everybody seems to use, Aaron Jones is the second to last pick of the first round. Now I think as the AJ Dillon, because you know there's going to be some puff pieces about AJ Dillon working out, best shape of his life, <laughs> um, you know, tweets and Instagram posts, and so I think. The more that that happens, the more that the summer churns into the fall, the more Aaron Jones's stock is likely to fall. By how much? I'm not quite sure. Like, will he make it to the second, to the middle of the second round? Eh, probably not. Could people draft Nick Chubb ahead of him? Maybe. But it, do you think Aaron Jones, and I guess I just answered the question, <laughs> my my point of view from it, I don't know if you agree or not. Do you think his, his stock will drop low enough that he'll eventually become a buy? Not for me. I, I can't imagine it falling past the second round. You just, you, I mean, you follow people on Twitter and on other forms of social media and people are some, all it takes is one person to go out there and believe in Aaron Jones and be like, well, if he just has nine touchdowns, then perhaps, you know, he would have still been the RB 13 or 14 or whatever it was. But you're like, mm -hmm. he's not going to get that. He was already a guy who was in a 50, 50 split with Jamal Williams. Now you throw AJ Dillon into the mix. And if the Packers and, all of his production, not all of it, but a large majority of his production came in a handful of games. A couple of those games where Devontae Adams wasn't playing. So it's really like one of those things that you look, like I had him last year. I enjoyed it. Those pop were great. But I think overall, like he's going to, he's an easy, he's the biggest regression candidate out there. And so, so you're buying into the regression. I am 100% buying. He's on my don't buy list. Like I can't even imagine. Oh. I can't even imagine what situation I would be in where I would look at Aaron Jones and be like, okay, I would feel comfortable here. That's realistic. Like if he was there in the 12th round, yes, I would probably take him. But I mean, realistically speaking, I just don't see that instance. And I, for number one, I would, I hate to say this, but I think Devonte Adams is probably going to end up being, if he's not the first receiver out of the board, off the board, he probably should be. Because I, as much as I like the Lazard King, they didn't surround Aaron Rodgers with a lot of talent. So I, I think that I would rather buy Devonte Adams. I would wait, and I honestly like I would rather just have AJ Dillon much later. And I know that it's probably it might not be realistic, but I just don't want to get into that situation and be bummed out about it. I think that, and you mentioned Nick Chubb, I would feel more comfortable with Nick Chubb because even though Kareem uh, Hunt is back. Nick Chubb still had more 100 rushing yard games with Kel with Kareem Hunt in the lineup than he did without him. Now, obviously, he falls off the table receiving-wise and everything like that, but I still feel better about him as a running back than I would with Aaron Jones. Two things to follow up on what you said. I love that you mentioned, first of all, that Aaron Jones was actually in a 50-50 split last year because if you go back and look at the snap count, when both he and Jamal Williams were healthy and on the field, there was a pretty even snap count between them. And I think a lot of people overlook that because their injuries didn't always 
you know, like life, it, it didn't line <laughs> up perfectly. So you have to kind of do a little bit of math and look back at that. So he already was in a, a 50-50 timeshare. He has fumbling issues. And if we, you know, so I don't know how much of that Lafleur you know, feels like he needs to make an example of or shine a spotlight on if he's going to punish him at all. And also, if you look at the whole of the Packers draft, you talked about Jordan Love. This draft was for Lafleur. This was not Aaron Rodgers draft. This yeah. was the the like, we ain't we don't think the window of 2020 is what y'all thought the window was. And even if it is, we're looking beyond it. So I think this was Goody saying, I'm going to give, I'm all in on this young HC. He's the favorite right now. So he's going to get the toys that he wants and then we'll see. And it makes complete sense that, that AJ Dillon would be one of the toys since as a young coach, LaFleur's probably like, well, I, I did good with this other one. Yeah. So, he's got a know. type. Like he's got, he's got a definite type and a, and a running back that he feels fits his system. And I know that we're a couple of Bears fans sitting here yucking it up about the Packers. But also, and I, if you watch the NFC, you watch the Sunday night game where the Packers played against the 49ers, you saw the game in the NFC championship game where they, they weren't competitive. I feel, and I, and I, listen, don't get mad at me for saying this and pointing it out. Your general manager is the one who's pointing out like, we're not there because he did not make draft picks. Like you said, that were like, we're going to win now. We're going to go get, we're going to trade up and get CD lamb. We're going to do this. You're like, no, we're, we're perpetually playing for the future, which is something I think the Packers have done for so long, like going back to Brett Favre, where they're like, you're always competitive, which is great. And I think that mm-hmm. you can go out and your team's going to win 12 games. But if I had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for 30 years and I had just two Super Bowls, that's the same amount of Super Bowls as Eli Manning has won, I would be a little bit disappointed. Because you know, you and me, and I, I'm a little bit older than you, the best Bears quarterbacks in my lifetime are McMahon, Jay Cutler, and Walter Payton on the halfback option. And that's it. <laughs> right. I mean, you're spitting truth here. I, I 100% agree with you. Pack The Packers organization plays a lot like dynasty players who are still fooling with Flea Flicker. <laughs> like that is, that's, that's the comp for me. Now I'm going to get at it. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to just to put a period on it, Aaron Jones consensus RB ten on Fantasy Pros. That means he's behind Josh Jacobs, who, by the way, I think is going to have a stellar breakout year. Same. One of those overlooked offseason winners when he when the team adds all those field stretchers and he sees many like so many fewer stacked boxes. But and Neil and no DeAndre Washington. Yes, that too. So there's a well, I think probably fifty sixty targets there freed up. Uh, and Mike Mayock, by the way, for what it's worth, said it was time for his part two evolution. So coach speak maybe, but all three things positively trending for, for Jacobs. Mike Mayock, see- Mike Mayock doesn't mess around. Like I think one of the, when you talk about doing comedy, one of the greatest moments of my life was I made Mike Mayock grin, which to me is like killing at the improv. Cause I'm like, I made uh. Mike, I made Mike Mayock smirk like that's I'm I walked out of the room. I'm like, I, I can't top this. He's got kind of like a hot older dad vibe, too. I mean, maybe I'm revealing too much about myself and issues that I shouldn't talk about. No, no, no. You, public, but no, no, listen, it's it's <laughs> undeniable. Like it's you okay. can see that like you're like, yeah, that's yes. Authority. Yeah, figure. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. <laughs> um. um but Aaron Jones, one more time, <laughs> um, behind Josh Jacobs, but in front of Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders. Is that the right spot? Yeah, I would. I mean, Austin Eckler scares me a little bit because I know that they've gone out and they made a couple of nice moves. I know they got Trey Turner. I know they got uh, Balaga. So they rebuilt one half of their line, but they still have Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. And I know, and it was a fun little narrative where people are like, no, we think Tyrod Taylor can win. And you're like, okay, cool. But you drafted Justin Herbert. So your actions say otherwise, otherwise you would have gone out and you would have drafted, you know, Isaiah Simmons to bring into that lineup. You would have brought in uh, one of the top offensive linemen. Cause you still could use right. a couple more. So you showed me that you don't believe in Tyrod Taylor. So I'm worried that now that he is going to be the primary running back, he's not going to have to fight off. Justin Jackson. I think Josh Kelly is a nice back. But right now you look at it and I I don't like that situation either. But at the same time, it's still better than Aaron Jones. And I know nobody will want to do this. And I I know you, you gave me a lot of credit for not doing hot takes before. 
But honestly, like I would rather wait for Melvin Gordon. And I know that a lot of people look at what happens with Philip Lindsay. I'm sorry. Listen, I know that everybody, I know we'll talk about the Broncos here in a little bit. But the thing with, you don't bring in Melvin Gordon to not use him. And Philip Lindsay's going to go out and do his thing and he's going to be a stud. And I'm not saying that he's bad, but they're going to give Melvin Gordon an opportunity. I'd rather go in that direction than try to recapture the magic with Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler. So you would wait on the position and maybe draft a higher end wide receiver around that spot, around what the end of the first. You know what? I'm one of those guys. I'm not zero RB. Like I'm not super hardcore zero RB, but I'm like, I lean. I would be part of the zero RB political party. Like I'm a Jace. Like I'm probably more in the center, but I'm probably leaning that way. So if I get an opportunity where I'm in the top four, I'm going running back. I'm not even thinking about it. But if I'm at the end of the first round, I would rather end up with Devontae Adams than taking a risk on one of those one of those running backs. I know Dalvin Cook's in the mix too, but he still he still missed games last year. Like yeah. they got a new offensive coordinator. I think Stefanski's a lot better than the people are giving him credit for. So yeah, I would probably wait. I might go, I might double up on receivers. I might go George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in the second round, but I'm willing to wait and start rolling the dice and, and looking at guys like Melvin Gordon, even going with David Montgomery, which we can't talk about because the moment that we mention David Montgomery, people are like, that's a Bears fan for you. Don't and, jinx it. Don't jinx it. But yeah. I think volume wise, there are some interesting, you know, there are some interesting um, opportunities in terms of volume that may not align perfectly to an explosive offense, a killer quarterback, or even a dynamic skill set. But Again, if we're going to sit here and preach volume, 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 sometimes you know that probably if you grab Leonard Fournette, figure you got to move him in week five. But he might carry you over the first month of the season while the rest of these guys are, you know, finding where they belong, frankly, in an abbreviated offseason as well. And I mean, if we're going to talk about offensive lines, like in a regular offseason, counting on a line and rookies and vets to coalesce never works. So why we're assuming it's going to happen in an offseason like this one that we've never seen before is also bananas. The vernacular that you're breaking out here. Coalesce? What is that? I I can't keep up with this. I got to dumb it down for me. Talk to me I mean, like I I ended with bananas. You did. So, so I appreciate you. You got that. That one I got. Like that part of it. I knew <laughs> and I knew you were going to bring up Leonard Fournette. I knew you were just waiting. This was, this was all a setup because I know how much you love Leonard Fournette. You love... What was it you were saying? I know you did this on your one of your IG videos where you're talking about players that are so volatile. You like the volatility. I like, like volatile players yeah. because name like when people are like, well, that running back's really volatile. You could stop at running back. Like running the running back position is volatile. So don't talk to me. Like I, I think Todd Gurley is an interesting buy. I've seen is David Johnson. Like, could these guys be washed? Sure. Sure. I don't know. But could Austin Eckler get hurt in week two? Sure. I don't know. You know, like that, that's part of the argument. I'm 100% behind that strategy because it is so frustrating to get a player who's just like, man, he's okay. He's just kind of good. Not to the point where you can move on from him because you're like, well, maybe it's kind of like having Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe this isn't the perfect example, but somebody who's you're like, oh, like he's doing enough to convince me to continue to put him into the lineup, but he's not doing anything that's going to win me a week where it feels like players like Todd Gurley, and Leonard Fournette could be such a home run for you. And it's been David Johnson, as you mentioned. That, those are guys that, yes, I would rather take chances on them because they have as much chance of working out as those other guys that you're taking in the first round outside of the big four, of course. Right. Um, let's talk about Miles Sanders because this is another divisive player. Long lived in the shadow of Saquon Barkley, now seemingly doing that um, in the same division and also in fantasy. People love this player. But it doesn't feel like he's going to get the opportunity that we are all wish casting him to have. Yeah, they, as much as we want this to happen, as much as we look at Miles Sanders and we're like, this should be the guy. We're going to be like Joke in the Madden Bowl and want to run him every play. Doug Peterson has different ideas. And I think that last year when he, he topped 200 touches or 200 carries or whatever it was, it's probably going to be very similar. Doug Peterson does not want to overload his running backs. He wants to use a nice mix and we love him, and it's, and it's fun and, and all that stuff, but you can't trust that situation. You have to look at other players and uh, yeah, like I, 
as a player, if I'm a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, I love Miles Sanders and everything that he's going to bring. As a fantasy enthusiast, that is probably going to be one where the price tag is going to be a little bit too high for me. So let's play a little bit of over under here because in case anyone listening hasn't been informed yet, the Philadelphia Inquirer's Jeff McLean is reporting that the Eagles have shown interest in both Sean McCoy, which ooh, right. that's an interest. All right. Like, like I, P.S. Side note, I was in the locker room, the Chiefs locker room after the Super Bowl, and it was one of the most weird experiences to see LaShawn McCoy in the Super Bowl champion locker room just sitting there. Just, just you know, like this was just like like the world had moved past him and he kind of knew it. It was an odd experience um, because there was a time and place, right, where right. he was it. He was the man. Um, and so I don't know for the Eagles now to be looking at McCoy, that talks, that tells me exactly what you're saying is correct in that Doug Peterson doesn't care. Like he just wants someone to keep Sanders fresh. Devonta Freeman also in the mix. I think Devonta Freeman would probably command more cash than McCoy because of tread on the tires. Um, let's, let's assume however, that neither of these guys signed week one with the Eagles. Are you still interested in Sanders at the end of the second round, which is just about where Melvin Gordon is going to go, who you hyped a little bit earlier? That's an interesting question. Before I answer that, there's a couple of things that we need to unpack here before we move on. First of all, the humble brag of like, hey, I was in the Super Bowl winning locker room. Come on, Frank. That's that's an amazing experience. No, I'm, I'm, I listen, I've done it as well. It's awesome that it's, it's a cool thing, right? Like, it's so weird. To be in there and to see somebody who's just kind of like, aren't you happy? Because they're not like, because you're not, you know, Damian Williams or whatever. You just can't be happy with everything that's going on. I don't know. Uh, that was a that was a sick, humble brag. And there was one other thing and now I've lost it. But it also, <laughs> I know, love this guy. It does seem to like Doug Peterson. Like when I look at the Miles Sanders situation, like you have two kids. I have two kids. And it's like one of them always wants to have all the attention and you can't do it. You want to spread it. I feel like that's the way Doug Peterson is treating his running backs. And he's going to, like, why can't like why can't you just spend time with Miles Sanders? Why do you have to bring in other people? Like, you have enough, like, you have something going on. Like, just do that. But that being said, I really do believe that if Miles Sanders is not really challenged, if they don't bring in LaShawn McCoy, Devonta Freeman ends up getting too much money or asking for too much money. I kind of like it. The third round, I think that last year, that was a strategy I kind of went after where I had a top, wide receiver had like Chris Godwin or my or, or Michael Thomas or somebody like that paired him with one of the top tight ends because that position really fell off the cliff last year. And then I would feel more comfortable if that was my third round guy. If I kind of went out there and either, you know, sandwiched him, let's say I went with Chris Godwin and Devonte Adams or something like that. Then I'm like starting to get into the business of like, okay, I would love Melvin Gordon there. I would like Miles Sanders there. I just don't believe that they're going to end up giving him the volume that's going to reward you for taking them in the second round. Well, also, I think when you have these rookies like Jalen Hurts, right, who's a phenomenal rusher. In fact, one of the knocks against him as a quarterback was that he was a better rusher than passer. So we know that Peterson's going to want to do some gadgety backfield. Maybe it's hyperbolic to say we'll see tight Taysom Hill type stuff with with um, Hertz. And then you also have Jalen Rager, who at TCU excelled in those gadgety again out of the backfield jet sweep sort of formations. I don't know if if you're going to see. Miles Sanders get the sort of volume that you're expecting. Also, Sanders' target total towards the end of the season as the whole of the receiver core fell apart was super high. So I think, if again, if you're looking for a regression candidate, especially in PPR-friendly formats, Sanders is not going to see like seven targets a game again. And doesn't it seem, I think you're absolutely right, and I think he hit the nail right on the head where you're talking about Doug Peterson trying to find his version of Taysom Hill because these coaches especially the offensive minded ones always love to show off. And they always, I don't know. I don't want to say they want to one up each other, but you know that Doug Peterson is watching what Sean Payton is doing with Taysom Hill. And he's like, Oh, he's like, did you not see me run the Philly special in the Uh Super Bowl, dog? Like I'll get a quarterback and I'll put two quarterbacks out there. And you guys try to defend this. And I love Jalen Rager. I think that was a a pretty, I like Justin Williams a little bit more, but I'm not going to argue with Jalen Rager because of all the great things that he does that you mentioned. 
So I really do that. That it, it is one of the most not discussed. That wasn't the right word, but not disappointing either. But it's like it's frustrating from a fantasy perspective to really buy into an offense that's prolific like the Eagles is. Like Carson Wentz could be a top five quarterback, but there there seems to be not one player that you can count on because as much as you even like Zach Ertz and he's great. Like if Dallas Goddard got nine touchdowns, it wouldn't surprise me. So it's like, it's a frustrating, it's, it's the best offense that you can't be fully comfortable with, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Well, there's, you know, the, the um, volume trees are, aren't as narrow as we would like them to be. Yeah. Right. So, um, I, but I still think that you're right. The end of like pairing um, Miles Sanders with one of those high end wide receivers feels like a solid pairing. And then maybe waiting again and taking a, a Todd Gurley that everyone's out on or a Fournette that everyone's out on. I wouldn't mind pairing someone like explosive and young like Sanders with one of the more questionable uh, older running backs who you're assuming is going to have volume and that'll buoy their stock. Yeah, it could be a situation similar to last year with Aaron Jones where You know, Miles Sanders does have that ability to where he could stumble into a couple of nice games and pad his touchdown totals. And then I remember at the end of last year, I was going into my fantasy championships with Aaron Jones and a guy like Raheem Mostert. So there is going to be somebody that we will stumble onto during this season. Could it be Zach Moss or somebody like that, that you're like, oh, well, this guy is ending up picking up the slack that we're missing from not having that true bell cow. So I would feel comfortable with them right there in the third round. And so that's my hope. It doesn't always work out sometimes, but I think that is my hope. Well, and that's why you stay flexible and you work the waiver wire. And that's definitely a part of at least the in-season content. Could one of those running backs, though, be James Conner, who, you know, obviously has had trouble staying healthy. Great story, local kid, but that doesn't necessarily, especially in what his third year now, uh, matter to people as much. Um you know, he, he's he's having one of those. He's already posting, as I said earlier, those best shape of his life um, videos on social media. So w- what are your takes, though, on on James Conner? And do you think and how susceptible are you to these types of videos? Oh, I love them. I'm the suckers okay. like, oh, my God, because you forget, like everybody's working out like you like everybody sure. is working out. But the ones that are like, oh, this guy guy's really getting after you're like really like tell me more because you always are trying to find an edge and you're like yeah i'll buy it like i'm the guy who watches all the movie trailers i'm like that looks like the greatest movie i've ever seen (laughs) like that's why you know i spent all that money to go see suicide squad because you couldn't watch that trailer and not think that that was going to be a great movie turned out not so much but not a great movie the thing is i like the situation with pittsburgh and i'm buying as much Steelers stock as possible i think that you know, you overlook the injuries, you know, or you kind of write off last year because of the injuries is what I'm trying to say. Ben Roethlisberger should be back and should be healthy. And the fact that they didn't draft a quarterback, they didn't sign one of these quarterbacks, they didn't feel like they needed to go out and get Andy Dalton or somebody like that tells me that they believe in him. Now, could they eventually sign somebody like Cam Newton, which would be amazing? We'll see. But I look at it, they signed Wisniewski, which I think he Slots in right there at the left guard position. That should help out their offensive line, which is already pretty good. It wasn't exceptional, but it was pretty good. So you have a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. You bring Juju back. Deontay Johnson is ready to take that step forward. Benny Snell is in there. And I know. Oh, girl, I love me some Benny Snell. That's that's the problem, I think, for me, from buying into James Conner. Because when I do mock drafts and I see James Conner go probably a little bit early, earlier than I would feel comfortable with, I kind of like it. I kind of like Benny Snell. And I know that he had a nice game at the end of last season. And it obviously is week 17. So it didn't matter in a fantasy sense. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, this could be the guy. And I think because of James Conner's injury history, that the Steelers have to look at that. And they're like, we cannot count on this guy to carry the ball as much as us fantasy enthusiasts would like him to. Well, and and Snell is not particularly dynamic or fast, right? His, his right. game is not speed. It's a power game. But that is also the kind of running back, whether or not you want to draft Snell, will, you know, be worked in on early downs and certainly at the goal line. And how frustrating is it to see your running back get all the way to the goal line and then get pulled, you know? Yeah. So so that that just mathematically in terms of loading up your points is a is a knock against um is a knock against Connor. But 
I, I am interested with all of these field stretchers again to see what he could do. I mean, maybe it won't be so brutal because he, with the addition to the offensive line that you mentioned, will have a little bit more room to run. He is right now going, this is interesting. You've got Devin Singletary and James Conner going back to back at the end of the third round. Similar situations, right? Devin Singletary, uh, could be amazing were it not for Zach Moss. Yeah. James Conner attached to, I would say, a, a better offense. People might not agree with me because people really love Buffalo right now. But, yeah. I mean, you cannot deny that even Ben Roethlisberger with a beard is better than Josh Allen as he is. Um, so so which of those two backs would you lean towards? It's or tough. would you go wide receiver there? Calvin Ridley's going around the same spot too. I'm yeah, I'm I'm going to be looking at Calvin Ridley. I think everybody's anticipating Ridley making that leap this season similar to what happened last year with Chris Godwin. And a big reason for me is because that Austin Hooper is not there. And I know that you were talking about Hayden Hurst and I think this was on your IG as well. Is that Hayden everybody just you you and I know I I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but you put it so succinctly of like, you just can't be like, well, if this tight end gets 75 right. catches, then this guy also gets 75 catches. Like, that's not the way that it works. It's not like you can't cast Ocean's 11 and just, I could replace George Clooney, but I'm not going to have the same impact as he would because he's, number one, more handsome and a better actor <laughs> than me. So it wouldn't be the same. Even though we're both males who are actors, there's a difference. So you right. can't just make that that sweeping judgment. So I like Calvin Ridley for that for that reason. And that is probably why if I saw either one of those running backs right there, I would probably pass on both of them. I love Devin Singletary, but it was Graham Barfield who pointed out yesterday or the other day that they've had the same amount of draft capital invested in Zach Moss as they do in Devin Singletary. And if you're drafting a player like Zach Moss with right there around the third round or so, then you're obviously seeing something that this guy is not going to be your bell cow running back. They're not bringing these players in because, you know, like, oh, we just want to bring in a friend for you. Like, oh, you know, like you got to do that sometimes. You're like, yeah, you know, you're going to the like when you used to be able to go to theme parks and you got to, you know, you got to bring a friend because you can, otherwise your kid's going to have to have ride that by himself or whatever. But the thing is, you have to look at these situations where there were opportunities to bring in a player and they did or they didn't. And I know this is the one thing. And again, we're going back to David Montgomery and I know people will talk about this, that we're, I'm a biased Bears fan, but it's like they didn't draft a running back. That should mm -hmm. tell you that they probably believe in that player. And Buffalo is telling you because they did draft a running back that perhaps they don't believe in Devin Singletary. You can sit there and you can go on Twitter and you can make all the arguments you want. I'm listening to what the bill said, not what you said. Well, I mean, also Sean McDermott said, yeah, we're going to use Zach Moss like he's going to fill the Frank Gore role. He said it. So this this isn't this isn't us like reading between the lines. We're reading behind, between the lines and then having that confirmed by coach speak, which, of course, this time of year, you know, you, you could maybe we're putting too much stock in. But I think when you have more than one confirmation, then you have to let that be the presumed like assumption, you know? Yeah, you have to like lean into that. We're reading the headline. We're not drawing any right. sort of conclusion. Like that's the front page above the fold headline. And it's not like if it was Eno Benjamin, who they brought in as like a free agent running back, and we're trying to tell me like this guy could end up like shut up. Like I'm not listening to that. When it's a third round pick, like, okay, like I will sit here and listen to what you have to say about it. So you mentioned a couple of times being a Bears fan, and we've been talking a little bit about the Bears on this pod regularly, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you did tweet about a month ago that Cole Komet was a good draft choice for <laughs> your Chicago Bears, and this is why I want to talk about it, quote, a hill you're willing to die on. Yes. I'm going to die on that hill, friend. I am going to die on this hill. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be perfect from a fantasy perspective. That, this, is, this is where sometimes becomes confusing to follow me on social media because I do blur the lines between being a fan, being a fantasy analyst, and just being an NFL How analyst. How dare you? I Adam, don't mean to dare do that. you. I know I'm a terrible person for other reasons, not just this. But the thing How is, how dare you not stick to black and white opinions? How I dare know. you believe in nuance? I should just have a hot take on Cole Komet and that he's going to be the TE one in fantasy this year, and that's the way. But honestly, when you look at it. 
when draft night happened, and I think that you felt the same way, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are we drafting? (laughs) Why are we drafting it? Just because there were other needs that it felt like there were other places we could have gone. But let's let's look at this realistically. Now, if this offense of the Chicago Bears is going to be successful, they're going to have to run 12 personnel, which means two tight ends. If you look at the the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I don't think anybody runs 12 more than the Philadelphia Eagles. They run 12 all the time. The Bears run it like around 10% of the time, which is not good. That that is a that is a bigger reason why that team struggled last year as much as anything else. And so you bring in Jimmy Graham, he's gonna run the U, and you bring in Cole Komet to run the Y. And if you can run the 12 personnel, then this team will be a lot more successful. So you can even bring in the extra things about like he's an Arlington Heights kid. I'm from Schaumburg, which is a nearby. Nearby. I'm from Mount Prospect. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah. So there it is. So it's like you he got went to Viator. Viator is like where all the like rich kids went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My sisters, <laughs> my sisters went to Schaumburg High. I would I've started school in first grade out here in California. And I know that you're gonna sit there and be like, oh, he wasn't a planned pregnancy. And I, you're right. And so <laughs> I wasn't going there. You were gonna every now to- that somebody was like, oh, Rick wasn't planned. I wasn't. I really wasn't. I was a surprise on my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. But anyways, in any event, that was probably a little bit too much. We wanted to talk about Cole Komet. But I think that, obviously, using that draft capital on a second round tight end seems disappointing. And I know that there are other players that every level. I love K.J. Hamler. But I think that Jalen Johnson was a first round talent that they eventually got. So we're fine there. When you look at the tight end position. And this goes back to Greg Olson being traded because Mike Martz couldn't find a way to use him. And you think about drafting Adam Shaheen, overtaking a guy in the same draft named George Kittle, Iowa guy, like why would we want him? The thing is, five years down the road, if Cole Komet is a stud, and if I, I'm not even going to put a, a George Kittle type of uh, of uh, expectation on him. If he was Jack Doyle or somebody that good, I think that it'll end up working out. And if this offense is going to be successful, you're going to need to be able to run two tight ends. So make your jokes and people can be upset. And I know everybody thinks they know more than the general manager and the coach, but I am going to just sit back, watch those videos. And maybe I was swayed. Maybe I was swayed by Cole Komet crying because he was drafted by the Bears. Matt Nagy calling him up and all that stuff. It was heartwarming. And so, you know what? I would rather support the young man then get upset because some player who might or might not be good. Like you can go, but you can go through history and think of players who are being drafted. Who are like, I can't believe we didn't draft him. And then that player sucks. And then you're like, what did I know? You know, like, it well, but see Adam, as you're saying that everybody is thinking, not even bears fans, they're all immediately thinking about Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky. So I think perhaps it's residual anger from going left after Shaheen and Trubisky. And so it, it, there's a pattern here that people are maybe being assumptive about. A lot of teams passed on Patrick Mahomes and they didn't draft. The Cleveland Browns could have drafted him. The 49ers could have drafted him. They needed quarterbacks. The Houston Texans, would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? There's a lot of teams that passed on him. So I I'd know, rather have either of them ahead of Mitch Trubisky, who we traded up for. Listen, I would rather have Matt Forte throwing passes than Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. But whatever. But they, what, what's done is done. I can't. It, you know, this these things happen. You make mistakes sometimes. It's like your friend ordering that extra shot of Patron. Should we have done it? No, but we did it. And now we're moving on. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to live in the past. Although. That would be as if the Patron bottle is still with us and the starting quarterback. I don't know. That's that was a weird one. I might have I might have tried to reach. Too no, far. I got it. My husband tweeted a picture of me on Mother's Day after a couple too many shots of tequila. You check. It's not on IG for a reason, but it is on Twitter. <laughs> on so Mother's Day? Completely... Was it the one that he posted from Comic-Con? Yes, but he posted it on Mother's Day because it was the most recent picture of me in his phone because you know when you're a parent like all the pictures are all of your kids right and there's never like everybody together and so um it it, yeah it was at at comic-con after a particularly actually i here's another humble brag get ready to come at me about it it was the night i met lin-manuel miranda damn it i just (laughs) here it is 
<laughs> this is all this was. This was all just a ruse. <laughs> These celebrity encounters. Oh, and you know, when I was in the winning Super Bowl locker room, I noticed this. Though you did sneak in, you two had been in one. So, you know, a little tip for oh, that. You're going to tell me your, uh, that was you know, a, your. That was a non-humble brag. Like if okay. I was, if I was really <laughs> humble bragging, I would talk about being in the bowels of the stadium at, at Energy Field and Lady Gaga was there with me and like, whatever. But like, I won't talk about that because I think it's unseemly. It reminds me of something that Brad Pitt once told me. And he said, Adam, never name drop. And I've tried to live that life ever since. Those tenants are difficult to live by, especially when you live in Los Angeles. But right. to that end, you know, when I met Drew Locke, in person and had a really great conversation with him about how I thought he was underrated. We developed a nice rapport, which ended up, by the way, on the uh, Denver Broncos subreddit and <laughs> was completely misconstrued. But let's run through it because um, you and I, I think, are both a little high. I'm a high on Locke. I've, I've always been higher on him than the consensus. I think he got banged for having three different offensive coordinators while he was at Mizzou right. and never really had an opportunity to work on his mechanics. And clearly, John Elway, whether it's because he selfishly wants to clear his name of not being able to find um, a franchise quarterback or because he truly believes in Drew Locke, doesn't matter. He's got a ton of weapons. So uh, do you believe... Either do you like or not like the following statement? Drew Locke has had the best offseason. I love that statement. I think that it's absolutely accurate. And I think one of the things about John Elway, obviously the the misses at the quarterback position will always be his uh, sword of Damocles or whatever. He's done a great job of assembling a roster with great players. The defense is good. They were top 10 last year, maybe top five, but they're getting Bradley Chubb back. They lost Chris Harris, but I think they're going to be able to overcome that. They they kept the safety, and so all that's working out pretty well. And then what they did offensively during the draft, like in addition to getting Melvin Gordon, who I think is better than Royce Freeman, so whatever role Philip Lindsay had will probably still have that role. It's just that Gordon is better than Royce Freeman. RIP Royce Freeman's fantasy output and everything like that. But you look at Jerry Judy, and you look at, KJ Hamler. Like, that's the one that you kind of just sneaks by the radar. You're like, oh, how did well, you Well, that's the here? Henry Ruggs. That's the Henry Ruggs. Like, oh, you know how Jerry Judy got to be Jerry Judy? He had a speedster on the opposite side of the field doing amazing stuff at Alabama. And so let's, and we already got Cortland Sutton, who managed to take a big leap in his last season. Great. And you got and Noah Fant Noah and Fant. another damn tight end. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. everything was set up. Like, it's really weird. Like, if you, if you compare the off seasons of Drew Locke, and Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos won seven games last year, and they're like, we're going to do everything to make sure that our quarterback succeeds. And the and the and the, and the Packers were like, we're going to do everything to to hurt our quarterback, including drafting his replacement. So I really feel like these are two different off seasons that were going on. I dig. Listen, I will tell you this: I know that a lot of people know me from my predictions, and I famously whiffed on the 49ers last year, but. And this will probably bum out the Broncos fans. I really love the Broncos this season. And I am not going to be surprised. And I won't give out, I won't give away whether I'm picking them to win the AFC West or not. But it wouldn't shock me if they ended up winning the division because I think that that team is that good. I, I haven't made my division predictions yet, but I do agree with you about Drew Locke. I still have to say, though, in fantasy, at such a deep position, outside of Superflex, you're not buying, right? I mean, that's the that's the tough part. Like, you, you think of all these quarterbacks, and you think of the late-round quarterbacks that you can acquire. Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. Like, all these guys come to mind. I think even Baker Mayfield, who a lot of people are going to be turned off about. Oh, yeah, like, those like, burnt takes. You know, like, people look at it. It's like Baker Mayfield was like a DC movie. Like, if, if they made another Superman, a lot of people won't go see it because of what happened in the past. But I'm telling you, the new one will be better. And I think that this new version of Baker Mayfield and not to get not to get off the rails, and I know you didn't ask me. Nobody's asking me about Baker Mayfield, but I will tell you one of the things that I love about Baker this season. Kevin Stefanski last year excelled in running the play action. Kirk Cousins led the NFL with 14 play action touchdowns. Baker was actually third behind him and Lamar Jackson. But now you bring Stefanski to Cleveland, and you bring in Austin Hooper so they can run the 12 personnel. 
And you've got OBJ, who I think, you know, knock him for whatever you want. That's fine. He's a good player. He puts in a great effort. He never quit on that team. Go watch him block. That'll show you that that guy never quits. If Jarvis Landry can come back from his hip injury as well, I think they're going to be good. So I like Baker if you're waiting on a quarterback, even though, but I don't want to, I don't want to take away from Drew Locke's moment though. Sure. And I think, I think the continuity argument here also like lends itself to favoring Baker a little bit more, even though there's a new head coach being installed. He has had a season with Landry and OBJ and when when using Nick Chubb to simplify things like it, it all sort of started to work or at least showed potential to work at the end of last season. So or it, it settled Baker, I should say, at the end of last season. So I think that there's going to be still a learning curve for Drew Locke here. And, you know, he was a player who tended to rely on his arm strength, cashing checks, trying to cash checks that perhaps he wasn't not physically able to, but mentally didn't have the anticipation to make good on yet. So there's going to be a learning curve. I agree with you. He's having a moment. I like him in Superflex a lot. Last thing we're going to end on, Hunter Renfro is a top 20 wide receiver, says the guy who isn't famous for hot takes. This is a this is a well-reasoned argument. This is we listen, we talked about Joe, uh, Josh Jacobs and how good he is and I think that the way the, Bear, uh, the excuse me, the way the Raiders are going to be constructed this season is having Henry Ruggs there is going to open it up stretch the field, get down the field. This is going to be an opportunity for him to bring an extra added element, which the Raiders didn't have. That's why they brought in Tyrell Williams. That's why they wanted Antonio Brown to work out for them. He's going to come out and stretch the field. I just don't think that Ruggs is going to have the volume to take away production from Hunter Renfro. And I know that it's super easy just to be like, oh, he'll be the Julian Edelman of this offense. But the difference is, Julian Edelman was a quarterback in college. Hunter Renfro was an exceptional wide receiver on a great team with great quarterback play. He's he's ready to go. And so I think that as this team gets better, they're on the field more. And I don't want to make too much about Derek Carr and his average yards per target and anything like that. But he tends not to stretch the field as much as other guys. That's fine. But he's still a good quarterback. And he's going to target Hunter Renfro. I'm looking at it as a volume play. I would even say I like him so much that based on volume and in PPR leagues, I think that he could flirt with being a top 10 guy, but because Josh Jacobs is having, is going to have such a great season. And because Darren, the baller Waller is there, that hurts his touchdown potential. So I think top 20 as a wide receiver too. I feel very comfortable making that statement. How many, give me a, a general range, a fearless forecast, if you will, for number of receptions. I think that it, north of 80. I think there's going okay. to be a lot of opportunity there. And I'm trying to like, you know, you look at it last year, Chris Godwin was the wide receiver too with 86 receptions. I think that that's, that's a number that Hunter Renfro, he obviously is not quite as dynamic, but I think mm-hmm. that, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like PPR as much, but you know, like, the amount of targets and the guy catches like he, his expected catch rate is one of the best in the NFL, his passer rating when targeted, one of the best in the NFL. There's a lot of things that you look at this player and you're like, okay, I can see this translating Derek Carr. And I know, and I know, listen, a lot of people don't like Derek Carr and everybody wanted a fantasy book, Tom Brady going there, or they think that Marcus Mariota is going to take over. But last season, Derek Carr was the only quarterback with 400 dropbacks who did not throw an interception while pressured. He's very good with the football. He doesn't turn it over a lot. I think he's a smart player, and he's going to find a way to get the ball into the hands of Hunter Renfro. I I, I don't hate it. I think it's a sound argument. The only thing I think I wanted to add was that you also have Brian Edwards, the more physical Alshon Jeffrey-type presence on the other side of the field, which I think, you know, I don't expect in his rookie year to command a ton of targets, but I do expect will draw enough defensive attention to, again, leave the middle of the field open for Renfro to just work as a sure-handed chain mover. I'm trying to even find Hunter Renfro right now, by the way, being drafted in the 14th round. So if you can get... If you can get top 20 production on a guy that you draft after the Denver defense... (laughs) Fine. And you got to be honest, uh, 
those numbers are skewed because in every mock draft that I do, I always take them in like the 10th or 11th round. Okay. I never, well, I never double wanna, digit rounds regardless. I never want to miss, but no, I'm making it seem like he's being drafted higher than he actually is. Like I'm the only one drafting him before the 14th round. I feel. Well, I love ending on that note. Um, I think it's, I think it's solid. I, and again, the continuity argument here really, really works. Mike Mayock doesn't mess around. Neither does Adam rank. Adam, tell everyone where they can find you and your not hot take hot takes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You can find me on Twitter at Adam rank at Adam rank NFL on Instagram. I kind of like Instagram more now. I don't know. That's kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm having more fun. I with do too. One. Cause every time we go on Twitter, there's some new disaster that I don't. There's always something yeah. at it always. It just feels there's weird. A fight. Yeah. There's a fight. There's always a damn fight. No one can just like be chill, you know? Yeah, you know, you put out a wrestling take and somebody's upset with you and you're like, okay, I give up. I'm going to go just post photos of football players that I like on my Instagram account. Maybe once in a while, throw pictures of my kids and Cutler jerseys or whatever, but, you know, keep it a little bit mixed up. (laughs) Well, that's what we love about you. Always being mixed up. Thank you, Adam, for joining us. Programming notes, we will be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to Boxed In. That's the Yahoo Sports debate show. We have new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. And if you don't already, after you follow Adam, go ahead and follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is the same handle on both IG and Twitter. All right. Follow that handle, by the way. (laughs) Follow. They're not following you. They're missing out. Thank you, Adam. Ditto. Bye, guys. Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Pod. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.